I'm Danae King, and this is The Storytellers Project. True stories, real people, recorded live on stage. Our second live show in Columbus is coming up on June 15th. Get your tickets now at dispatch.com slash attend storytellers. And today you'll hear from Holly Zachariah from our March 9th show with the theme Growing Up. And her story is called A Mother's Love. Enjoy the show. I don't remember exactly where I was when I first heard the sound, but the tiny little apartment that I grew up in, in Kenton, in Hardin County in Northwest Ohio, was only a few hundred square feet. So I didn't have very many choices. I was probably in the kitchen or maybe in the bathroom when I heard it. And it was this thwack, thwack, thwack. So I took my little eight-year-old self around the corner into the living room. And there she was, my mom, on her knees, in the middle of that threadbare, green, 70s carpet. The living room was dark, fake paneling on the walls covered from her cigarette smoke. It was dark because we always kept the curtains closed so that if a bill collector came, they wouldn't know we were home. And in my mom's hand, she clutched a ball-peen hammer. In front of her, there were these three little wooden circles, souvenirs. And inside each one was an Eisenhower silver dollar. Black, black, black. My mom was busting them out. I didn't really know why, but I could guess. Because we were hungry, and my brother, who was 10 years older than me, and my mom and I had to eat. Now, I don't remember everything about that day, but I remember the room just became a tunnel. And all I could see was my mom there on her knees. And I channeled and summoned so much rage. More rage than an eight-year-old girl should ever be able to summon. And I don't remember exactly what I said to mom, but I remember it was awful. And I screamed at her, and I clawed at her back. I said, why do we have to live like this? Why do we have to be poor? Why do I go to school and the kids make fun of my clothes? Why do the teachers ask me if I need a bar of soap to take to the bathroom with me? But I do remember this, because then came the dagger. I do remember saying, why did I have to be born to you? And my mom just let me rage. And she picked up the three silver dollars and cleaned up the floor. And she went and got her raincoat, the same one she always wore, whether it was raining or not. And tied it around her belt, or tied the belt around her waist. Told my brother and I goodbye, and she walked out the door. We didn't have a car. We were fortunate that the corner store was only a couple blocks away. We knew where she was going. She was going to get some food. She probably wasn't gone 15 minutes. She walked back in the door, clutching one paper bag. She walks into our kitchen. Again, that 70s Formica metal kitchen table that we all had in our homes. Mismatched chairs, metal and vinyl seats. 
and she sets that bag down on the table. She pulled out the same stuff she always did, probably a half a gallon of milk, a loaf of bread, a pound and a half or two of chip-chopped ham. We didn't even like it. We liked bologna, but bologna is expensive, and it's only good when it's thick. And so the ham went so much farther when it was chipped. And then my mom reached down inside that paper bag and she pulled out a single hostess apple pie. They were my favorite. I didn't like the apples. They were gross. So I usually either picked them all out and gave them to my brother or threw them in the garbage. But man, whenever I got that treat, it was just that cinnamon sugar goo in the center and that thick dough with just a little bit of sugar on the outside. My mom handed it to me, and we went on about our day. Now, the next morning, I remember getting up, and here's something you should know about my mom. Her name was Pauline, and my mom used to say, every time that you do a good deed here on earth, God puts a knick-knack on your wall in heaven to prepare a spot for you, because my mom never met a knick-knack she didn't like. So above her chair in the living room, there was a shelf that I still have in my basement. And all these little tchotchkes were all over it. And I remember the next morning I noticed that her collection of little ceramic horses had been moved because the spot where those three silver dollars had stayed my whole life had been rearranged and the shelf had dusted, been dusted and every trace of that day was gone. And we never spoke about it again. Till some 13, 13 and a half years later. I'd been gone from home quite a while at that point. Our relationship had changed. My mom was my best friend. I saw her every day, talked to her multiple times a day. And I stopped in one afternoon, same as I often did. Mom had a pot of coffee on, same as she always did. And we went to that same kitchen table, that same formica table, with those same mismatched chairs. And I said, I've got something I want to say to you today. So I want to talk about those three silver dollars that you busted out of their casements on our living room floor. And my mom had these beautiful, big, brown doe eyes. And they got wide, glistened with tears, and she said, what? All that we've been through, all that we did, that's what you remember? Those three silver dollars? And she started to cry. And I said, yes, that's what I remember, Mom. Because the weight that I have carried my whole life the anger and the bitterness and the rage about growing up poor was like this wet wool blanket on my shoulders, weighing me down. And that moment of you on your knees clutching a ball-peed hammer, that was it. I couldn't get that image out of my mind. But I said, Mom, that's not what I want to say to you today. 
what I want to say to you today is I get it. We weren't poor because you didn't work hard enough. And we weren't poor because you didn't do enough. And we weren't poor because you didn't love us enough. And that's what I wanted to say to you today. And she dropped her head down onto that table, and we cried. A few years later, I'm 24, unmarried, and I find myself pregnant. And I'm poor. I'm working three jobs. I'm trying to make a go of it. And I'm terrified. So I did what I always did. And I went back home. And I walked into that kitchen. And my mom and my brother and I sat at that same formica table. On those same mismatched chairs. And I told my mom that I was pregnant. And I cried. And her face lit up like it never had before. And she looked at me and she said, you're going to have a baby. You get to be a mom. I had my baby boy, Justin. And every time I held him, so often I'd look down in his face. His eyes are just like my mom's, big and brown. And I'd look into his eyes. And so often I'd sit there just like my mom did. And I'd think, I've got $10. Do I buy food or do I buy diapers? And it was then, as I was looking into my son's face and my son's eyes, that I would still so often go back to that day, to that moment in that crappy little apartment in Northwest Ohio. And I would still see my mom on her knees. But after I had my baby, I knew that the lessons I carried with me from that day were not about being poor. And I knew the lessons I carried with me from that day were not about growing up in poverty. I knew without a doubt the lessons I carried with me that day, from that day, were about a, the power of a mother's love. Thanks so much for listening to the Columbus Storytellers Project. Get details and tickets for our next show at dispatch.com slash attend storytellers and support local journalism and the Storytellers Project by subscribing to local journalism at dispatch.com slash subscribe now.